And, and I'm going to step into something tonight, uh, speaking, I guess, a little bit prophetically and declaring something. I had to go back and listen to service again Sunday morning. I announced something Sunday morning. I don't know if you heard it, but I announced something in this church that we're in, that Jesus is going to visit us in the next six months. That he, we're going to see Jesus in a great way over, and I believe it's already started. I, I really, truly believe that. Now, when I felt that, when I heard that, I, I thought, Lord, that you know what happens when you speak things, and what if nothing happens, and what blah, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. That's always a challenge. But I believe Jesus is going to visit us, and I don't, I'm going to tell you, and I'm telling you and everybody out there that Jesus is in the house here at Christ Church of the Heartland. And this is truly going to be a house, and not only going to be, but it is a house of miracles, of signs and wonders and miracles, and a place where people are going to be healed and set free. My question for you tonight, this went off in my spirit, my question for you, are you ready? Are you really ready? Now, I'm, I'm asking you a serious, serious question. If I had a title, that's going to be my title tonight. But are you ready? A couple of our young ladies that are not here tonight because they are great with child and, and getting ready and just in a short period of time to have birth, Miss Kelsey and uh, uh, Miss uh, Mariana Connell, both of those, both of them are in a state that you, if you ask them, are y'all ready? They're saying, we are more than ready. They're ready to deliver this thing. They, they're there. They're there. There's no question in their mind. They are carrying something. And, and when I saw Kelsey and I saw them the other day, just something went off in my heart about how we know that we're ready. Because we can talk about something and that doesn't mean anything. But when you know what is coming, you are preparing for it. You are looking for it. You are anticipating it. You are expecting it. Let's think back. Many of us here are parents in this room. Before we ever had our first child, when you, you know, there came a moment of time that when we got married, a lot of young couples, they got plans that, you know, they want a honeymoon and they want to be by themselves so they can do all kinds of things for, you know, a period of time. But when they start desiring a child, all of a sudden the conversation, the conversation starts coming up. You start talking about those things. There's a moment when you have a desire for something. It's a desire. I want to see a move of God. That's all it is. It's a desire right now. But nothing necessarily has happened. It's just a desire. I, I want a child. Someday I want to see this. Someday I want to move of God. I believe a church can go through that. And just have a place where we're talking about it. We got a desire for it, but it's really nothing there yet. But then, what does it take to see that? Well, we know in a natural setting, in order for a child, it's going to require some intimacy. It moves beyond desire to an intentional, hear what I'm saying, to an intentional part that, you know what? We're going after this thing. We're going to get pregnant. We're going to have us a child. I talked to a young man today that used to be a part of us. Him and his wife have been wanting a, a, a child for years. They're in their sixth, I think she's six months, six, how many, 
how many months? Nine, six months. You don't, you don't, I'm six months into that thing. I guess her second trimester, is that how it would be? But they've had a difficult time for years getting pregnant. But I'm telling you, they've had such a passion and such a desire. They have sacrificed. They've labored at it. They've worked at it. And now I called him up just to check on him and say, how's this going? Because they didn't want anybody to know because they had gone through disappointment after disappointment with miscarriage and spent tens of thousands of dollars on fertility, you know, doctors and such as that. But they can stand today and say, we're six months along. And it's almost, they're almost even now even though they're carrying it and know it and there's signs that show it hello that they've been disappointed that we're almost afraid to say anything but see that leads us to the next point when you have a when you begin to have a desire and then you begin to pursue they're going to come a moment that God is saying you're pregnant and there's going to be a sign. There's going to be a measure. I get tickled at these young ladies on Facebook. Everybody wants to show their, their baby. What do you call that thing? Their baby bump. And they'll be standing in the mirror. And I'm thinking, you know what? You oughtn't to do that. That's really not that cool. But I know they're excited. They want people. They want people. Not just me. They want people to see. And then I see these young ladies that are pregnant taking these pictures with their family. You know, they're carrying this, you know, this baby here. And they got this picture. And it's like they got to hold this baby up. And I'm thinking, why are we doing that? That's just me. I'm just talking. Hang on. All right. Because it's there. I know something. There's a sign. There, there's no question that you are great with child and you're getting ready to deliver. But once there's a sign and once God has revealed something. See, most of them have gone and the doctors have confirmed. Yes, you're pregnant and you're going to bring forth the child and they've even given a due date. Now, once that's gone into play, you and I both know there's a whole new thing that begins to happen in that household. Now plans began to be made. What are we going to do with this baby? Where are we going to put him? A room has got to be fixed up. People start talking. Family gets excited. It's isn't just the couple, but the whole family. I remember when the kids, when they would tell us, they'd have unique ways of telling us about their Pregnancy. I, I guess the last one was Maverick. That really stands out to me. We, we, when Chad and Alexis was home, we'd play cards. What is that game? Skippo. Huh? We were in Florida. And so they drive in Atlanta, get in real late to meet with us, to stay with us. And when they get there, they want to play a game. Skippo, and we're thinking, really? You just got here. Do you know what time it is? And they couldn't wait for us to play that game. If you don't know what Skippo is, it's a card game. It's numbers, you know, such as that. And so we were playing, and their hand comes. And so the card number five comes up from Chad, or it comes into one of our hands. And they had put a sticker, I wrote a note on, wrote a note on it, that grandbaby number five is on its way. And that was their way of letting us know. Now, you got to know, I didn't care how late it was from that point. 
A new excitement just filled the room. Now a great anticipation. I'm saying this to you because that ought to be what should be happening with us. If we really believe what God has said or what Dr. Jesus has said to us, that I'm doing something in this room, our attitude, our expectancy, everything that we're doing ought to be on a whole new level to where we are proclaiming it, where we are preparing for it. And not only that, we're letting people know. I just can't wait to tell everybody. You got to understand something. When we found that out, they said, you can't tell nobody yet. Do you know how hard that is on a grandparent not to tell they're going to have another grandbaby? I mean, we wanted to shout it out to everybody. We got number five coming. We wanted everybody to know. But that's the way it is when we really believe something. Listen, church, when God is doing something, we don't need Facebook. We don't need a a, a marketing company to come and, and do it. What we do need to do is talk about what Jesus said he was doing. And the more you and I will talk about what Jesus is doing, the more, the greater the manifestation is. Hello, I must be with the wrong group of people. So we got to start praying, preparing for it. You see, we need to have an understanding of the time and the seasons. In the book of Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, the Bible says this, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under the heaven. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, 32, it says, The children of Issachar, which were men of understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. They knew. He said, They had understanding of the time of what God was doing so that Israel would know what to do. In the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 1, Paul said, But of the times and seasons you have no need that I write unto you. And if you'll read on, go to the next verse there. Uh, There you go, Miss D. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Go ahead and just follow with me a moment. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Go to the next verse. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Now, he's talking about the coming of the Lord, I believe, in this chapter. But I believe we could also look at that in, as, as in a move of God. That, brother and sisters, because of what God is doing, what we are hearing from the prophets and what we are feeling stirring on the inside of us, we should have a knowing of the time and of the seasons and not be caught off guard. Now, I asked the other day, Kelsey was back there. She's probably watching me tonight because I know she's due just in the next week, I think. She doesn't know the exact day. They may have given her a due date. That is a projected date. They may not know exactly what date, but she does know the season. She does know the season. See, even with the coming of the Lord. If we could talk about the coming of the Lord. The signs all around us are telling us Jesus could come. We don't know the day, but we can know the season. So if I know the season and I know that my time is coming, I guarantee you her and Josh have got a bag packed. They're ready to go. Because it could come any day. Suddenly, we shouldn't be taken as a thief in the night. We've heard too much word over this church about suddenly's coming, not only here, but to the people of God. 
God is doing some amazing things in our area. Larry, would you bring my phone to me? Because if we understand history, we're going to understand what I believe God is doing in this hour. For some reason, I felt like I had, thank you, Larry. I felt like I needed to walk through some history with you over moves of God that have come to our nation. And we are in, and the prophets are declaring, everybody I talk, I have not heard, very few people are saying it's coming. Most people are saying we're in it. It's just early stages. Most everybody is saying we are there. We are in the third great awakening. We are in revival. It is here and it is now. But what is it going to look like? What are we supposed to be doing with it? I think in order to to know what we're supposed to be doing, we've got to look at history a little bit. So just follow with me just for a moment. I'm not going to go back to the first and second awakening, but I will go to the early 1900s of our nation when God began to sweep across the country. When the first, in the early 1900s, one, a great move of God, believe it or not, came right here to Cape Girardeau through a baseball player by the name of Billy Sunday. Right here in our state. Matter of fact, in the early 1800s, evangelists like Billy Sunday began to rise up and began to evangelize and began to call men to repentance. Matter of fact, here in Cape Girardeau, he actually came and was in Cape Girardeau. That's why I wanted my phone. I looked this up. He came in 1926. He came five weeks before Easter. And the reason I know it was five weeks before Easter because he ended it on Easter. And they built a great auditorium, believe it or not, on the corner of Bellevue and Middle Street. I had to drive by it. I wanted to go by it this afternoon because I really didn't know where that was at. That is over here where I'm at. Go out the door, back that way, right? Where the old post office is. It's over close to the post office. It's one block over right behind. Matter of fact, if the building was as large as it is, the Bank of Missouri is on the corner of of Broadway and Middle Street. This auditorium, now think about this. Early 1926, they built out of wood an auditorium that would seat 5,000 people. Right here in Cape Girardeau. Out of wood. And there was so much concern about being made out of wood and fire that they designed it in such a way nobody was more than 40 or 50 feet away from an exit to get out. But there was no floor. It was a sawdust floor because his message was about the sawdust trail. He would use that as a tagline that that was a trail that would lead people home. And so there was, no, there was no floor and there was this great auditorium right here in Cape Girardeau. 250,000 people were recorded to have entered into that auditorium over that five-week period. 250, where in the cat hair did all those people come from? That's more people than in all Jackson and Scott City and, and Cape Girardeau. They had to come from miles around to fill that place. On the last day, which was Easter of that year, of Easter, they had he did five services that afternoon or that day. Over 5,000 people entered into that auditorium on that Easter Sunday. 
I didn't see in the report of how many people were born again, but no doubt countless numbers, if not hundreds of thousands of people, were impacted by that revival, by that move of God, that evangelist that came to the corner of Bellevue in Middle. When that auditorium was taken down, that wood was put in the hawk, uh, uh, what do they call that, the the field house here at Hawk Stadium upon Southeast Missouri University. I'm telling you, whether we want to believe this or not, there is a heritage of a move of God right here in Cape Girardeau. That was in 1926, but that was a move of God that began in the early 1900s. He was just one of many evangelists that would begin to cover the nation. And now that he came back in 19, I believe it was, they said he came back in 1935. I didn't find any report of what went on in that, in that particular meeting. But in 1936, just a few years past, he passed away. But I also believe it was Billy Sunday because I had heard this and read this before. It also went to Paducah, Kentucky, uh, probably about the same time where 100,000 people come to know Jesus in that time period of when they were there. Back in that same time frame. This whole region has been saturated, has been covered by a move of God. God wants his people saved. And then in 1906... In a place that you've heard a lot about in California called Azusa, the great outpouring of the Holy Ghost came to our nation. The, 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 it was noted, there was another term that was given to it. People had been born again. People had been saved, but now they're encountering God in a whole new level and they're calling it the second blessing. It was marked. Here was something. You need to pay attention to what went on. It was marked by interracial crowds. I'm not just talking about black and white. But people from all over the world had made their way into this place. The Chinese, the Hispanics, the Filipinos, everybody was coming and they were worshiping together. Even when they couldn't understand. So many people were coming into this meeting. They were doing daily meetings for three years and it never stopped. Three years, a Pentecostal movement was birthed. This is where we get the assembly of God. This is where we get the apostolics. This is where we get the independence. We got a lot of, of movements. Not only, was it, not only was it around the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but now all of a sudden they knew about the Spirit, but they didn't know about this speaking in tongues. And now not only was it about speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit, but water baptism became to be a big, big issue back in the early 19, back in 1906 and I want to tell you something. We're still being impacted by that move of God that happened at Azusa. Then we moved, and we moved several years later, about 40 years, and there was no doubt a lot of things that happened in between. Now there comes the time, what they call the, move, the latter rain movement and the great healing movement. And this is where the big tents began to be visible. Men like Oral Roberts, Men like A.A. A. Allen. Anybody ever heard of these guys? Men like Jack Cole. And began to raise up tents and go into large auditoriums. And, and began to see God do miraculous, miraculous things. I mean, I've heard stories of, of Jack Cole. That they would bring, he would go for the worst of cases. 
And he would bring them into the auditorium and he'd want them like on this platform and there'd be a big curtain all the way across. He put all of these, they were bring. listen, in those days, they were backing ambulances up one after another, bringing these people that there was no hope for them into these meetings and they would put them on the stage behind the curtain. And there would come a moment of time when the power of God would come in that place. And Brother Cole would feel to release the anointing of the Lord for healing. Open up that curtain. And everybody that was on a stretcher or in a wheelchair got up and was absolutely made whole by the power of God. My goodness. Oil Roberts had more miracles than what you and I could ever imagine. See, we get hung up on the things that we've heard in, you know, the last few years about failures or about money or whatever, and we're missing that God ushered in a move of the supernatural that was released into the earth, that was released into our nation for you and I to use. Wheelchairs, crutches, eyes open. Oh my goodness, I've heard stories, I've read stories of Oil Roberts. They bring people so out of their mind, so messed up emotionally and lunatic and demon-possessed, they couldn't bring them into the meeting. They'd leave them in the car, and Brother Roberts would go out and just declare the word of the Lord over them, and they would be instantly and totally set free in a moment's time. A.A. Allen would bring in, you've seen, you can go on YouTube and watch some of these old meetings. You ought to do this. They'd bring these people in on stretchers, giving up. They'd be these people just so bad they couldn't hardly do anything. And brother, brother uh, Allen would do it so simple. That's what amazed me. He would just talk about Jesus and just believe Jesus to do it and put his hands on him. There wasn't no secret formula. He just believed Jesus could do it. And he'd walk by, get up in the name of Jesus. And they would get up and walk. I mean, that's happened time after time after time. I believe it was possibly, maybe this was a little bit later, just, he comes to my mind, would be somebody like T.L. Osborne. He went to the world. I remember him talking about coming into a meeting, into a village. Meeting had already ended. And they brought, he was up in his second level of this guest house or whatever he was staying in. And he heard a commotion in the street. He walks out on his balcony, Jill, to see what was going on. And there was a whole group of people and a mama with her baby. And this little baby had no, really, no eyes. Didn't have an eye in its head. Matter of fact, didn't even have eye sockets. Just skin over the top right there. He said, what do you want? He said, I want Jesus. She said, I want Jesus to touch my baby. He just reached, stretched his hands towards that baby. And in a moment's time, a creative miracle took place. God, that skin began to slit. Eyeballs, you know, eye sockets begin to form. Most beautiful eyes were placed in that baby and it was made perfectly whole. That has entered in to our nation the, the, the supernatural power of God. Listen church, we got to believe for that stuff again. In the Azusa Street meeting when the glory filled the room it was nothing for limbs to grow out that were missing. 
in the early parts when they were cleaning up that auditorium. Two prostitutes had gotten in a fight outside and, and one of them happened to fall into the building where a young lady was sweeping the floor getting ready for meeting. She was all bloody. Her ear had been torn off of her, off the side of her head and the young lady just reaches down, picks up the ear, sticks it on her head, says, be whole in the name of Jesus and Jesus radically healed her. Come on, that was by the janitor sweeping the floor. Pastor, why are you telling us? Because I want us to expect God to do. What have I heard? He said this, everybody's prophesying that this end time move is a culmination of everything that Jesus has already done. Wow, I can't even, I haven't even got into the hardly half the part of it. Then the latter rain was the latter rain movement was birthed at that time, and basically what the latter rain movement was the book of Acts totally being restored, and the moving of the gifts of the Spirit, demons being cast out. Believe this: women being ushered into ministry. Joel two twenty eight, being 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 brought forth where he said in the last days I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters are going to prophesy your young men are going to dream dreams your, your young men are going to have visions your old men will dream dreams and upon my servants and handmaidens I will pour out my spirit in those days great men like William Branham all of a sudden come on the scene moving in the power and the gifts of the Holy Ghost William Branham was in a, was in a taxi getting ready to go somewhere and he's on this journey he tells the taxi driver make the next corner because he said we're going to come up on an accident there's a guy there that's dead he's going to get ready to be restored and they came up there was an accident the man's laying outside the car dead brother Brandon goes over takes him by the hand and says get up in the name of Jesus and the man lives wait a minute where is that power of the day come on somebody where is that that's what we've got to believe for in this day it's here. It's Yes, sir, brother. It's right at the same God is with us today that he was with William Branham. He didn't have a stage. He was in a taxi. I believe this is something we've got to understand. God wants to use us on an everyday basis, not on a platform of a church, but everywhere we go expecting him to do something. About that time, great men, great evangelists like Billy Graham began to come on the scene. College revivals began to break out. One of the first one was Wheaton College in Massachusetts, where a, a move of God began to break out on the... Is that where it's at? Began to break out oh, in revival. Now think about, what have you heard? What have you heard? That God was going to visit. I don't know how many prophets I've heard that God is going to pour out upon our universities, upon our campuses, and upon our children. Yesterday, some, one of our people, actually it was Bethany, she felt burdened for children yesterday. She messaged me early yesterday morning, said, Pastor, I just feel like something is happening among our children that we've got to believe for a move of God among them. And, and she was just going on, I mean, this is like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm thinking, what are you messaging me this for at this time? But she's talking to me about our children. What happened about three hours later was the tragedy that went on. She said, I believe the enemy wants to destroy a generation of children because of the move of God that is among them. Hello, don't get caught up in the politics of this thing. 
listen, seriously, don't get caught up in the politics. This isn't about a gun. This is a devil trying to destroy a generation. Hello. Now, they're not going to tell us that, but you and I know that. But that began to take place. Revival began to move upon. Did you ever think about this? One of the first TV evangelists saw something through, the, through a medium. His name was Rex Humbard. One of the first people to use the TV to go and to carry the gospel literally across the nation and around the world. Then we moved from there. That was taking place, through, no doubt, through the 40s and the 50s. And there's a whole lot more in between than I've shared with you, I know. Then we move into the 60s and 70s. The Jesus movement and the great charismatic outpouring. And the Jesus movement was this. It was emphasized turning from drugs, sex, and radical politics to taking the Bible at face value and being totally sold out to Jesus as Savior. I never will forget a brother in, uh, in Paducah there, Carol McCarroll. He went on to be with the Lord a few years ago. You talk about a powerful man of God. He was a Baptist brother that got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, he had the power and he had the fire. You look at that, guys. I mean, it was like he's, he's staring, you know, laser beams through you. It almost scared you. One of those kind of guys. He knew what was going on. I never will forget God was moving in that church, but he brought a group in back of that day that was a part of the Jesus movement. Psalms 23 was what they were called. And those guys come in a lot like the young people dressed of the day. They come in in jeans and t-shirts and flip-flops. Their hair was long. They, had all the, they didn't want to sit in the chair. They wanted to sit on the floor. But they were madly in love. They were passionate about Jesus. Matter of fact, when he brought them in, it caused an exit out for him because the church just couldn't handle what God was doing at that time. But that was their emphasis. They were radically sold out to Jesus and they didn't care who knew it. Then the charismatic, oh, also in that time, music and worship began to change. We began to leave the hymnal. We began to sing what was called the, 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 the scripture songs. I remember Carol McCarroll, again, going to use him. Uh, me and Diane had the privilege a number of years ago just to stop by and visit with him in Kansas City. But I remember I can hear him singing this song. Oh, the Holy Ghost will set your feet to dancing. Oh, the Holy Ghost will fill you through and through. Yes, the Holy Ghost will set your feet to dancing. And what's the rest of it? And set your heart a dancing too. And we would sing songs like that in the church. We moved from that. And then we moved from the scripture songs till we started singing off the wall. Y'all remember that when the overhead and we had people and we were throwing us and man, a lot of the church had a rough time with that. But we began to move. This music, the worship began to take on a different dynamic. Not only was it our praise and worship, but all of a sudden we got people dancing in the church. I don't mean Pentecostal shouting. I'm talking dancing. Dancers began to be activated and began to release pageantry, began to move through the church at this time. Then, not only through the charismatic renewal, which was simply a movement of the Holy Spirit, began to spread beyond the Pentecostals. 
It began to touch the Catholic Church and the mainline denominations and movements like uh, full gospel businessmen were birthed at that time. And that was just a movement that was... that. Businessmen, exactly what it said. Dima Shakarian gave birth to that thing to reach the business world with the power of Jesus. There were so many things that happened. There was the businessmen, full gospel businessmen, women aglow began to be birthed out of that. Now you've got Catholic people being filled with the Holy Ghost. Lutheran people, Baptist people, Methodist people. What we didn't realize, my pastor, our pastor growing up, he was a former Methodist. And if you go back to the old Methodists, they were old Pentecostal shouters. They had moves of God, but then we got too sophisticated over the years. And that led us, just give me just a few more moments. I'll get this jet down. This excites me. I don't know about you, but I get excited about it. Reading about it. But then that led us into what was called the discipleship movement. It was back there, some of you, what, what the, the shepherding movement that was strong discipleship that got a little bit out of hand. Family life began to be a real emphasis back there. Church growth began in that era of time, began to go into a whole new arena. When did you ever hear? I mean, we thought if you had a church of a couple hundred, especially in our area, you were mega. And I remember going to church growth conferences. They were everywhere. We can teach you how to grow your church. We'll give you the 10 greatest steps. We'll show you how to do bus ministry. I was just li listening to Rodney Howard Brown, me and Michael, on the way coming. And, and they're doing a leadership thing there all week long. And he said, we're going to take you out on the streets tomorrow. They're taking all the leaders. We're going to show you how to win souls for Jesus. Man, we went to all of those. And then all of a sudden, churches started exploding. Then we go from a, we go from a couple hundred to a thousand, and from a thousand to five thousand, and from five thousand. I remember the first time I had ever heard of a ten thousand seat auditorium. I just had to go see it. Matter of fact, there wasn't a soul in it, but the secretary, man, dying with her. I had to go stand. I had to go stand behind the pulpit, even an empty church. And I mean, I needed binoculars to look. I mean, it looked so huge, but that is nothing today. Who would ever thought about churches all over America, some exceeding 40,000 people at a time gathering? That's just in America. That's not talking about a guy in Korea by the name of Young Yi Cho that has over a million people gathered in his church. And different places, we could go on about that, but that began and then in the 80s. We moved to the 80s. We're out of the 60s and 70s. We're moving on the 80s. The faith message begins to stir. The faith message, prosperity, and the word, people. And that began to bring something. You had three different camps. You had Oral Roberts, which preached seed, which preached seed time and harvest. How many remember Robert Schuler? Robert Schuler spoke about positive living and success principles. And then we had Kenneth Hagan that spoke, you just speak the word, confess the word. And these things are still impacting our nation. And then we moved even in the 80s, the prophetic movement began to surface. All of a sudden, we're having prophets that we've never heard of before. We got to be on the, on the early stages. All of you have heard of him, of Kim Clement, coming into our area. 
I mean, we had him when hardly anybody knew who he was. He, come, he was here. He came to us in Paducah. He's been all over this region. He, and prophesied, never seen anybody like him that moved. Never had anybody that could read your mail, tell you your address, your phone number. I mean, we had so many crazy things happen that Kim would speak and declare. But he was one of many of the prophets that began to stir. That's just one that just stuck to my mind. But the prophetic ministry, prophetic worship began to be introduced. Prophetic preaching, personal prophecy and all that. Then we hit the 90s and the great revivals began to unfold. Pensacola, Toronto blessing. How many have heard of that one in Canada? Pensacola with John Kilpatrick for five years began on Father's Day. And went for five years. I think over four million people walked through, walked through that, that period of time. Countless numbers of people were born again. People were healed. Miracles, signs and wonders, deliverances were taking place. Promise keepers was born during that time. In 1991, the first gathering was at the University of Colorado. And 4,200 men gathered. By the close of 2000, it was reported that 5 million men had attended 100 conferences with, uh, of, of promise keepers with the report of a million of those people accepting Jesus. That began to happen in the 90s. And also in the 90s was the kingdom theology movement. And that was simply this, that the Holy Spirit wanted to bring to the church uh, the idea of a dominion attitude to become more of our mindset than escapism of us getting out of here when Jesus had to do work on the earth yet. But in all of these moves of God, all of these moves of God, it wasn't without controversy and it wasn't without challenge and wasn't without question. There were 10 marks of every great revival that came along. Give them to you real quick. I'm not going to tarry on it. The first one, there was a timing. It was always in a time. The timing of it was always in a time of spiritual and moral decay. And boy, if we've ever been in that time, I think we're there. And I think we're due. Also, it was because there was great prayer going up, crying for a move of God. The third thing is, the word of God was being preached without compromise. The fourth thing was there was a great emphasis on the Holy Spirit and Him leading. The fifth thing was there was great conviction that filled the hearts of the people. The sixth thing was the glory of God. All the praise goes to Jesus. All the praise goes to Jesus. The seventh thing was, was reformation and renewal. Always through these revivals, new ministries, new things were, were being birthed. I was listening to Rodney Brown again. He was saying, guys, don't you limit this thing to the, to the church house. God's going to give us creative ideas to do things we've never done each as individuals to get this harvest, to get this harvest in. There were manifestations of the power of God. Every I remember John Kilpatrick talking about a, a military man whose hand had been messed up in war. He only had half of a hand. 
And he said, this was like in the very early stage of Pentecost. He said, I heard a woman scream over here down this side of the altar. He said, he went down to see what was going on. He said, I watched with my eyes as this man, as God was doing a creative miracle. It was like a sewing machine running back and forth over that hand. And God completely restored that man's hand back to wholeness. Wow. God's still in the business of it. He still can do it. There are the men. There were people shaking. There were people quaking. There were all kinds of noises being made. Demons were being cast out. There was a lot of stuff that brought a lot of controversy. That, that, will, and it, that, that will be the next point. Revival moves of God are always messy and will always bring controversy. We had people with us but just before we left in 97 to come here. 96, we were encountering that move of God. I had some of our key people live. We can't handle this. And they left us. They were my money people in a sense. Good tithing people. But we can't handle this. Didn't make them bad. They just couldn't see it. And we weren't doing anything. We weren't trying to make anything happen. But I couldn't explain it when half the congregation is laid out in the power of God. I can't explain that stuff. Or you're so drunk, I'm having to hang on to the pulpit like this to even get the, get the service going. I mean, those things happen in other stuff. But people can't have, and there'll always be. I've heard stuff in other meetings that, you, you know, man, they're barking like dogs, sounding like donkeys. And oh, I, Listen, I, I heard me and Diane got to be in a Baptist church years ago, and I heard this brother say he was a charismatic Baptist he said something like this. He said, I know there's always going to be people getting their flesh. But he said, I would rather deal with their flesh and have a move of God as to cut out the flesh and cut the move of God out. Because it's always going to happen. When Rodney Brown first came into the country, he brought the, I guess you could say, a, a spirit of joy with him. And you would go, and everybody in that building is carrying, laughing, belly laughing. I mean, tear laughing, rolling on the floor laughing. I know there was people, no doubt, just got hung up in it. You can, you can tell when that's going to happen. But I'm telling you, I'd still rather deal with somebody getting a little bit off center and have a move of God as to be so worried. Don't do that in this house. Now, we'll correct something if it's out of order, and we know it's out of order. But I want to see God move. There's always going to be that moment. Here's the last thing about it. Every one of them said, it'll always cycle. Every great move of God will always cycle. So where are we now? And I'm done. Where are we now? I believe, as the prophets have been saying, it is a culmination of every bit of this. And here's something you and I have got to know. What God does here may not look like it's happening over there. Because it could be very different and very much the move of God. There, I got called from some of my ministry friends through the region and wanted me to come to a meeting down in Malden. There's a General Baptist, a Southern Baptist, a Pentecostal, an Assembly of God, and a number of other pastors that have started having meetings together. And people are being born again. They're being saved. They're calling it a move of God. They're desiring to come together. They're wanting to be together. And yet the one brother said they were at my church. And he said, this lady come in and she starts manifesting a demon. He said, his wife kept looking at him. You going to do something about that? 
And finally, he said he just goes back there with all those Baptist folk and all those other. He just cast the demon out and just went on with the meeting. And you know what? They kept coming back. People are wanting to feel and encounter and see a genuine move of the Holy Ghost. The power of God at work. It's a culmination of all of that. I believe we're in a place, it's the emphasis of the body of Christ. And notice how I say that. There's an emphasis. This is a no-faced move of God where if you and I start trying to take the credit, build ourselves, and just instead of saying, I'm a part of this end-time move, the body of Christ at work, we're going we're, we're gonna to disqualify ourselves. I believe that's the thing that will disqualify us. But if we'll come and just yield ourselves to God, and if God is using Mike, if he's using Charlie or, or, or Miss Judy or whoever, we rejoice in that and don't get upset over it. We fan the flame of whoever God is moving, knowing that he's going to use us as well. Amen. So it's here. It's now. It's time in these next six months, I believe, for this house. I can't say for everybody. I believe are going to be a I'm speaking that to stir you up your expectation <coughs> because I'm believing for more Johns to be healed, cancers to leave bodies in the name of Jesus. Hello. Come on and stand with me. I've held you way too long. But I dare declare that over you tonight. Well, that may be something you and I are going to have to get out of. And just yield ourselves to Holy Ghost. And if you need to leave, leave. I'm not going to keep you going to keep you going. But if Holy Ghost is moving, we definitely ain't going to stop. Hello. And we just got to feel free. I can't be at every place. I've left meetings before. I didn't, you know, I said, hey, I got to go. Just walk out. But we want to see God move. Lift your hands up. Father, I bless this people to walk tonight in the fullness of God. I bless them for this move of God that they are capable, able, and they are ready for everything that you have assigned and you have called us to. I bless them to have ears that are attended to your voice, a heart that is sensitive to the working of your spirit, and I bless them to walk in boldness and courage to minister your power and your glory everywhere they go. In the name of Jesus, I bless them with health and wealth and strength and peace and a good rest tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Good night, everybody. God bless you.